Oh man, what uh, a lot to discuss. A lot to discuss after a game like that, in which you know there is a lot of positives, um, some negatives, some some questionable decisions, and ultimately um, uh, just a heartbreaking loss for the Broncos. DNVR Broncos post game show presented by Breckenridge Brewery. Ryan Konigsberg and Zach Stevens here. Zach, what's your immediate takeaway? Man, just how close it was, Ryan. I mean, it just felt like, you know, that that something special was going to happen. And, you know, Vic Fangio was just asked seconds ago if this was a moral victory. And, of course, the head coach is going to say no. But it just felt like it felt like it. And then at the very end, Ryan, when the Broncos have a chance to win with two minutes left, right around 2.30 left, you know, the moral victories go out the window and you say, just win this game straight up. What would that do? And of course, some questionable decision-making. Uh, the defense not able to get a stop soon enough. And then Drew Locke with the chance. I mean, there was a legitimate chance for the game-winning drive there. It wasn't like there was 11 seconds left. Over a minute left, Drew Locke comes up short and, and throws the, uh, the game-clinching interception there. So, you know, when you take a step back, you say, wow, the Broncos covered the spread easily. And that kind of is what the game felt like going in. Was, was Were the Broncos going to cover the spread? It was a win if they did. was a loss if they didn't. They did do that. But then, man, to pull off the, the whole tamale, man, they, they just came up short. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's tough. Uh, and I understand Fran, uh, you know, fans being upset and frustrated and, you know, it's 11 in a row against the chiefs and you felt like that was a winnable one. And no one wants to hear about moral victories right now. And, and, you know, I'm not going to beat that drum all game or all, all show um, because I totally get it. No one wants to hear that right now, but I will say, you know, I, I have to say that the Broncos should be proud of themselves. Um, the, the players out there have something to hang their hats on. Um, to play with that team down to the wire with all of the things that you're missing, Zach, if they lost by 30 tonight, we would have just shrugged our shoulders and said, yeah, you know, that's what happens against the Chiefs when you're decimated and you're, you know, trying to break in a young quarterback and you're on the road in Kansas City in primetime against Patrick Mahomes. We, I honestly wouldn't have crushed the Broncos for losing, for thir- losing by 30 tonight. So I do think that from a confidence standpoint, the Broncos have to feel okay of leaving this game. Of course they want to win. These guys are competitors, but they've got blown out every single game in the last two years against the Chiefs up until this one. And so that, you know, moral victories don't count for much uh, in the NFL, but this is, this is one, in my opinion, uh, you, you have to feel good if you're the players and eventually you have to build some confidence against this team. I think that's what we saw tonight. A little bit of a confidence builder. The next time they, st- they stand out there, against this Chiefs team, they're going to say, hey, man, we could have had them last year. We can get them this time. And I think there's something to be said for that. Yeah, and Ryan, really the the biggest takeaway when you take a step back from this game, even though it's so fresh, is this Denver Broncos defense played lights out. You should win every single game that you hold the Kansas City Chiefs to 22 points. They did a heck of a job. And yeah, Patrick Mahomes threw for 300 yards, but we knew in some aspect that the Chiefs offense was going to do good things because they always do. But you know what? You come up strong in the red zone time and time and time again. That's a heck of a job. The Denver Broncos defense played winning football, played incredible football. Ryan, last game, we said, you know, the the Broncos defense did a good job holding the Chiefs offense to 29 points. In Kansas City, they just held them to 22 points. They played winning football. So then you say, well, where did this game go? Did it go in special teams? No. Offense. It just felt like, Ryan, I said this to you right before we started the podcast. It felt like the offense played better than twenty than 16 points. But at the end of the day, you are not going to win games in the NFL scoring 16 points. And if your defense holds the Chiefs to 22, then I just have to say it, you know, the offense failed. And, and that's why the Broncos aren't coming out of here. Uh, with an incredible victory because the defense played that way. Yeah, and that's the the tough thing about this game and and really the Vic Fangio era. Um, a lot of times, Vic Fangio's decision making spites his own defense, uh, and I get it. He's a defensive coach, and this is what you get with defensive coaches. So this is what you signed up for when you're John Elway, because obviously Vic Fangio is going to have more belief in the defense that he calls and played a fantastic game 
Then the offense, called by Pat Shermer and led by Drew Locke, which has done nothing at all this entire season to make you believe in him. Where I really have a, a you know an axe to grind with Vic Fangio is awareness of who you're playing. This is not you know uh, the Cam Newton Patriots, and it's not the two attack of Iloa Dolphins, and it's not the Justin Herbert Chargers. This is the Patrick Mahomes Chiefs. And if you don't go into the game against the Patrick Mahomes Chiefs thinking we are going to put our balls on the table and go out of there saying that the only way that we lost was in our own hands, then you're doing it all wrong. So I leave this game more disappointed with Vic Fangio than any other uh, side of this. Vic Fangio, the head coach, because Vic Fangio, the defensive coordinator, is the player of the game, in my opinion. But Vic Fangio, the head coach, let his team down tonight, in my opinion. And it's the second time this year that I've really felt that way. I mean, we can go through several decisions throughout the game. But obviously, the one that pops up and is the most glaring is fourth and three from midfield with six minutes left. Zach, there's never been a more obvious call, in my opinion. You have to go for it. It's not an option. You have to go for it there. Because Patrick Mahomes ain't going three and out. And it was obvious a couple plays into that drive that Vic Fangio made the wrong decision. If it wasn't already obvious to you from the second that the punt team entered the field, it's just not an acceptable decision in that in that uh, moment. And sure, is it possible that Drew Locke would have thrown a pick to Tyron Matthew on that play? Of course. But again, I want to get on that plane heading from Kansas City to Denver, saying, you know what? We left it all out there. We tried. We we had the game in our hands. We did not let them dictate the end of this game, and you just did. You let the Chiefs dictate the end of the football game when you had the ball and you were ready to go. Uh, and it's and it's just it's disappointing to me because, again, when you look at who's across there, when you see that team over there, you have to change the way that you operate. You do. And Ryan, Vic made it very clear that his intention going into this game was to win the game. And he said after the game that he was aggressive nearly all throughout the entirety of the game, kicking the field goal there at the end of the first half, trusting his kicker, being aggressive there. And then, of course, that play where he decided to punt. Ryan, he said after the game, he gave it strong consideration to go for it at the end of the game. And then admitted, he said, in retrospect, we probably should have gone for it. And of course, it makes me think of something that we've talked about time and time again, even before the Vic Fangio era on this podcast. If you're going to be conservative, then do it all the time. Do it in every game. Make your players know that, hey, if you don't get the the first down on third and seven, if you come up inches short, we're punted. If you're going to be aggressive, be aggressive all the time. So your players know, hey, we don't get it on third and seven. It's fourth and inches. Run up to the line because we're doing I got confidence in you. Today, Vic Fangio said he was aggressive nearly all the time. Nearly isn't 100%, Ryan, and just, just came up short there. Now, Ryan, my, my question to you is, though, what I mean, it, it, it was the right call because the Broncos, or it was the wrong call because the Broncos lost, but did he do enough? Did his defense do enough to back him up in that? Because it's not like the Chiefs just ran out the clock. They got the ball. The Broncos got the ball back with over a minute left. Yeah, no. Uh, a minute to go to score a touchdown with no timeouts isn't enough. Um, of course, you see it happen some places. You know, you'll see the Russell Wilsons and the Patrick Mahomes of the world um, make those plays. You know, you know they'll they'll hit the deep corner route that gets out of bounds and takes up thirty yards on the first play, and they're already you know, ahead of the time and ahead of the sticks and all that other stuff. Um, but no, um, if you would have forced a punt, you would have done enough. Uh, and so they just needed to get their stop a little bit earlier to be able to make that play and be able to, you know, and be able to be in a position to tie the game or win it if they were able to, you know, break a big play and get a touchdown. So no, a minute left uh, to go 75 yards with no timeouts for a pedestrian at best offense did not do their job. Again, you know, there's a lot of uh, of teams where you might be able to get away with that, but we know that the you know we as they as the Broncos entered that drive, I thought okay, they're going to need a pass interference or a blown coverage where someone gets open up the sideline. Drew Lock hits a you know a nine ball. Um, it's it's just not enough. So no, they did not do enough. Um, they were off by about ten yards. 
If they stopped the Chiefs 10 yards earlier and they had to punt, then yes, I'd be saying, you know what? I didn't like the decision when it happened, but it was the right decision. Vic Fangio got the ball back and had a chance to do it. Uh, unfortunately, not enough. Um, and, and so, you know, I just it's it's a damning thing for Vic Fangio. Uh, and he's had a few in his career. Um, you know, it's not an every week thing where he makes a decision that costs the Broncos as whereas, you know, with Vic Fangio, it felt like it was or sorry, with uh, Vance Joseph, it felt like it was he was just pressing the wrong buttons all the time. But, you know, Vic Fangio can't tell me he was aggressive the entire game when earlier in the game, the Broncos punted on fourth and one from plus territory. Uh, I'm trying to find when it was is early in the game. Um Let's see. It uh, it was in the second quarter, I believe, is what. No. Yes. Oh no, that's fourth and two from the forty. I don't remember when it was. I think it was from plus territory. Maybe I'm wrong on that. Maybe it was less than plus territory. Yeah, I, again, think was, I think it was the foot. They punted on their own forty. They punted on their oh, they they punted on their own forty nine and their own thirty nine. Okay, so, so cool. I mean that's not as bad. But again, you gotta know, like you gotta know what you're getting yourselves into. What it means is you have to be aggressive uh, and you have to go out there and make plays and you have to go out there and make aggressive decisions to have a chance in this game. Trick plays, fake punts, all those things are part of a four and seven team beating a 10 and one team. That's a juggernaut. So um, if you play conservative, this is what happens. You know, Vic Fangio did a great job of making the Broncos not get blown out for his first time here. Uh, Unfortunately, I just didn't don't think uh, he gave his team a real chance to go out there and win the game when it was on the line. Well, Ryan, it's also situational awareness and understanding how your team got to the point they were. They didn't get there because Drew Locke was hitting consistent 30-yarders downfield like Mahomes was during the night. Drew wasn't throwing for 300 yards like Patrick Mahomes. They were winning and moving the ball on offense and, and, and having successful offense when they had that because they were pounding the rock. Broncos had over 170 yards of offense. Melvin Gordon was fantastic this game. Uh, and so... To your point, Ryan, they didn't get there and and they probably weren't going to be able to go 75 yards in one minute because of what their offense had done in that game. If they were going to have success, it was going to be getting that that first down at at the 50-yard line. Then six minutes left, the game isn't on Drew Locke's shoulders. And you know what? You really don't want it to be on his shoulders because he didn't show you that, you know, he was ready for that tonight, but he he did enough to show you that, you know, he can hit. Uh, a second and seven to make it third and one. And then Melvin Gordon pick up the first down. So I, I, I think everything about this backs exactly what you're saying about you have to be aggressive there because even if you do force him a punt early, two minutes left, let's say the, the Broncos would have got the ball with 2.30 left in that in the game. Well, you're probably not going to be able to pound the rock with Melvin Gordon all the way down the field just because how much time is left. So it is going to be on Drew's shoulders and that's not what kept you in this game competitively. Yeah, and again, you know, the last thing I'll say on, on this, I think, at least for right now, is you – so you're you're uh, fourth and three from your own 49, right? You get yep. that. You are uh, on the 48-yard line, the other 48, even if you just get the three yards on that fourth down. So now you are realistically eight yards away from being able to tie the football game. And we know that uh, that Brandon McManus – already missed a 57 yarder in this game, but he certainly had the leg for it. So I'm going to say that if you were, if you had him inside 60 yards, you had a chance to tie the football game. Now, if you convert it, maybe you get five, maybe you get 10, maybe you're already in field goal range off that play. Uh, And the game is just so different. You're in control. And the Broncos had an opportunity to be in control of the football game. And they quite literally punted away. So that's frustrating to me. Uh, and I assume it's got to be frustrating inside that locker room. Um, so there are times when it's right to be conservative. There is never a time against the Kansas City Chiefs when it's right to be conservative. So with that, we have to move on to the next part of this, which is Drew Locke. And that's the, you know, that's the other person that I think a lot of people are pointing the finger at after this game. Uh, and I said before the game, I'm setting my expectations very low for Drew Locke. I want... Uh, completions, no interceptions. I don't care what happens, the rest of it. Well, Drew didn't even make it through the first drive uh, before he, you know, lit that on fire. So Drew Locke certainly has uh, his faults in this game. 
But for the most part, between the first drive and the last drive, I thought Drew Locke played very well uh, and certainly played well enough to give the Broncos a chance against Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. You mentioned it. It felt like the offense played better than 16 points. Obviously, could have been 19 uh, if Brandon McManus makes that field goal. And that's a big turning point in the game because Brandon McManus misses it uh, and it's a six-point swing. Three points off for the Broncos, three points on for the Chiefs at the end of the half. Who knows what the Chiefs would have done from their own 25, but you know they're almost at midfield from that one. So that, that's a big swing in the game. Should have been 19. Even that, you know, we know that's not enough to beat the Chiefs, and it wouldn't have been tonight if you just don't change anything other than him making that field goal. Although you take three away from the Chiefs, you give three more to the Broncos. Well, now it's a tie football game. So that's a big game-changing moment. But I felt like between the two interceptions – um and at the end of the game with you know 30 something seconds left you're obviously just trying to make any sort of play you don't want to turn the ball over there of course um but to me the the early interception is a big problem for me because that took points off the board you were driving you were in position and drew lock got a case of hero ball syndrome and it cost his team dearly so again i'm not defending drew lock in this one just don't think uh, that he is the main culprit for why the Broncos lost. He is one of the culprits for why the Broncos lost. Um, and it's frustrating because you felt like he had an opportunity here tonight to really change the narrative on him. Uh, and unfortunately, with the way things go, and especially with the way things ended with him throwing an interception, um, nothing changed in the eyes of his doubters. Yeah, and Ryan, that I, I, I'm lost right now because here's what I see. I see a defense that played fantastic, winning football against the Chiefs. I see a running game that brought their A game, 170 rushing yards. Melvin Gordon was an absolute beast on the ground. Uh, and I see a play caller in Pat Shermer who, you know, throughout, I think overall you have to give uh, that say that this was one of Pat Shermer's best games uh, of his Broncos tenure. Would you agree with that? I mean, not perfect. But for, for the most part, it, it was it was very different and, and fun and creative and exciting. Do you agree? Yeah, he did a great job with the Rich Gangarello offense tonight. <laughs> it, exactly. And then so I say, well, where did this game go wrong? Okay, Brandon McManus missed a 57-yarder, but you know, you're know you not going to make all of those. And the Broncos have certainly tried him from 50-plus, and he's been very good this season. So I don't put the game on him. And so where, you know, we already talked about Vic Fangio and how that decision didn't help the Broncos win the game. I don't think it was the reason that they lost necessarily, but I just, I, you know, I fall on Drew and um, I don't feel necessarily right about that because it doesn't sit well with me putting it all on him and I'm not putting it all on him, but Ryan, uh, that first interception was brutal and it just seems like when you get the ball into your playmaker's hands, they do good things. I mean, K.J. Hamler is slippery as heck. He can't be tackled. Tim Patrick out there playing a fantastic game. Now, where is Jerry Judy? That maybe is a huge question that's talked about this week. I mean, where, where did he go? And is it Jerry Judy? Is it the play calling? Is it Drew Locke not seeing him? Earlier this year, or it's been Chiefs, Drew Locke not seeing him. Or the Chiefs taking him away, which I did notice uh, on several plays. They wanted to make sure that Judy wasn't the, you know uh, an option. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, and then, you know, you, you look at the box score and Drew throws for 50, 53% completion. That's not going to cut it. Obviously, no one expected him to go toe to toe with Patrick Mahomes in terms of the yardage or anything like that. But I'm just sitting here and saying 16 points. I can't point it at the running game uh, because of what Melvin Gordon was able to do. Uh, and I can't necessarily point it at the play calling. And so who does that go to then? You know, that falls on the quarterback. And But I'm not saying that Drew Locke had a, had a bad game and not putting that last interception entirely on him just because that's a really tough situation, especially on fourth and five. You're going to throw the ball up. It would have been dreadful if you got a sack. At least the pick is you gave yourself a shot there. But that's just where it comes down to me, man, is it like, I, like we talked about right before this started was how did the Broncos only have 16 points? I felt like they played a lot better on offense. Yeah, they they'd stalled in the worst places. You know, they moved the ball uh, it, almost every time they had the ball. Did they have a three and out tonight? They did not have no. a three and out. How? Well, I guess at the very end of the game, they had a four and out. But, no, but uh, that's that's not a three and out. Exactly. Up until then, though, not a single three and out. How incredible! I mean, that's progress, right? It is progress. And, and so I'll say this: they took a step in the right direction. 
Uh, and I feel the exact same way about Drew Locke that I feel about Vic Fangio. Drew Locke is one of, is part of the reason why the Broncos were in this game. And Drew Locke is also part of the reason why the Broncos weren't able to get over the hump. And that's just a tough place to be, you know, from an analyst's chair, from, a, you know, someone who has to talk about this. I don't know how to, de- how to define that because I know before the game, I had no, I had no hope that the Broncos were going to be in it at all. So the fact that they were, I feel pretty decent about. Uh, and I think Drew Locke made some big time throws. He made, he did some, you know, he did some great things tonight. Uh, he, I mean, the throw to Tim Patrick, you kidding me? That is a big time NFL throw. The interception on the first drive, you kidding me? That's a rookie ball throw. Like that's, that's peewee stuff. Uh, and, and I, you know, I, I turned to Allie, who's an Eagles fan. And I just said like, that's Carson Wentz stuff. Like that's, that's, that's what he's been doing all year. It's he made a great play to get out of a sack. And then his brain just clicks on like, now it's time to really show them. And it's just not. Now it's time to look around the field, assess it, see that no one's open, run up the field, throw the ball away, anything but throwing it into coverage with Troy Fumagalli uh, and, you know, testing Tyron Matthew. Like, what are you doing, man? It's unacceptable. Um, And and so if you score points on that drive, the game changes um, and, and... it's again, it's the same thing as Vic Fangio, in my opinion. Drew, part of the reason why they were in this game, he he made some big plays. He's also the reason, part of the reason, a big part of the reason why they weren't able to get over the hump. And it's just, it's a tough place to be. Yeah, and we'll we'll get into this further this week, looking at Drew as, as a whole, taking a step back from this game. But 13 interceptions uh, this season is just not acceptable, especially when you miss so many games. Uh, in fact, 13 interceptions since he's been back from injury, especially with the way the Broncos want to play, Ryan. Uh, they they want to play, just don't lose the game on offense, essentially, especially like a game like today. You can't turn the ball over. You run the rock. I mean, this is the formula that John Elway's been trying to build for years now. And one part that will blow up the formula is turning the ball over. Absolutely. And, and you just can't do it. And Drew knows that. Uh, the coaches know that, and unfortunately, he just can't help himself from playing hero ball. I think it's a habit that goes back to his days at Missouri. Uh, and I, you know, I feel like Rich Gangarello and TC McCartney were able to coach it out of him a little bit last year by just, you know, the way they put the positions that they put him in, and they they tried to keep him from being in a position to try and make those plays, and they did a really really good job of that. Uh, and I thought Pat Shermer did a really good job of it for the most part tonight. There's just, it's not enough. It's not enough uh, from Drew Locke. But I think the most important Drew Locke question, Zach, is after tonight, because we all agreed that he took a step forward towards being the quarterback for the Broncos moving forward in the Miami game. After tonight, did he move forward from that position? Did he move backward from that position? Or did he stay right where right where you had him uh, coming into the game? You know, he stayed right where he was because that there was some positives in the middle of that game. He showed that he could be a game manager and make a couple of very good throws. I mean, that absolutely right. That throw to Tim Patrick was beautiful. Uh, now, did he take over the game in any way? No, he didn't. Uh, but, Brian, we kind of knew uh, at, at midway through this season, okay, okay, Drew's not ready to take the NFL by storm right now like a Justin Herbert may be doing. He needs gradual steps. So that's what we said we needed to see. And tonight, um, while there were, some, there, there were some good throws, the interceptions negate it, and just the fact that they put up 16 points. And I know this is something that I've harped on all season. And for a couple of games, when they had those fourth-quarter comebacks, they got over that 20-point mark but it just seems like they can't get over that time and time again. And especially tonight when I look at it and see that he has 170 rushing yards to help him out, uh, I'm just not able to, to say that he took a, a step forward. But also, I'm not, I'm not willing to say right now that he took a step back. He stayed where he was for me. And I think that's probably the fairest take. And I think probably from John Elway's seat you know, up there uh, in the skybox, I think he probably feels the same way. Um, it's it's tough. It's just such a tough. To, you know, the Broncos are in a very difficult position as they move forward this season. Uh, and, and as we know from the start, it's always been about finding out whether you want to roll forward with Drew Locke uh, or don't, or if you don't. Um, and I have to be honest. Well, I think the most correct take is that he it was a net neutral game. I think the the interior opinion 
would actually be that he took a little baby step forward. Maybe not a full step, you know, definitely not two steps, uh, but like a half a step, a third of a step. Um, this was not the Drew Locke that we saw in some of these games this season where the Broncos were helpless, he was helpless, uh, and, you know, he just didn't look like a pro quarterback. Like, he absolutely looked like a pro quarterback out there tonight. Um, he just – his decision-making needs to get better, uh, and he just needs to make a couple more plays. So I think in, internally, I think that that they might be saying, you know what, many step forward. Certainly his best game against the Chiefs by a wide margin. Yeah, and to me, I think Vic Fangio uh, is going to be more skeptical than you uh, of that, Ryan, just because of the way he talked after the game, saying you need to put up points in order to beat this team. And and certainly pointing the finger at the entire offense with the quarterback uh, being at the very helm of that. But to me, the question that I kept getting on, on Twitter was, what would this team be like, specifically with this game and the season as a whole, if they just had good quarterback play, nothing groundbreaking, and Ryan, I think with good quarterback play tonight, maybe maybe a little above average good, uh, the Broncos win this game. Uh, again, you have to put up 23 points. And this Chiefs defense, I don't think gets enough credit for how good they are. They're a top 10 defense, but they're not as good as their offense. So scoring 23 points against the Chiefs is not impossible, not nearly at all. And holding them to 22 points, Ryan, darn near impossible. And your defense did that. So that that's just where I where I can't get over. Uh, is you didn't need spectacular play from Drew Locke tonight. You really didn't. You just needed good play. And so the fact that I don't think you, you got that good play is why I say, you know, he he's just even right now. And you know what, Ryan? <laughs> what you come out of this game saying, if you're John Elway and you feel like he kind of stood pat to where he was, didn't take a step forward, didn't take a step back, you're saying, ah, shoot, we can't have this the last four games of this season. I want to know if he's the guy. And there's no question. That's the best thing for this team moving forward, that he is the guy. There's nothing that anyone wants more than for him to be the guy. But you know what? This middle ground where you're talking about, should they trade for Carson Wentz? Should they get Sam Darnold? Should they go this route? To me, yank my eyeballs out, please. So <laughs> good. <laughs> I like your, uh, I like that. That's strong. Um, there's other questions though, to be had because you're right. Um, the Broncos win this game with a good quarterback. They just do. Uh, and Drew Locke didn't play like a good quarterback tonight. But that, that's not what this question is about. The question is, can Drew Locke become a good quarterback? Yeah. And I think tonight he showed that he has that in him. Uh, he has those throws in him. He has that ability in him. Now he has to shake a lot of bad habits. He has to get better in a lot of areas. But that's where I feel like maybe it was a mini step forward is he did look like a quarterback who can be on the same field as Patrick Mahomes in a game tonight. Uh, And maybe that's a low bar, but that's kind of what the Broncos have to decide. And and just as much as they probably would have won this game with a good quarterback, they probably would have won this game, in my opinion, if they had Cortland Sutton, Von Miller, you know, A.J. Boye, uh, Alberto Kuebunam, you know, you go through the list, they probably would have won the game with all those guys out there tonight too. And and obviously as you look into next season and the future beyond that, that's what you're thinking of is can this team be a winner with all of that? And can Drew Locke, uh, you know, develop into that quarterback? Right. Well, and uh, I, I just don't know if you could have asked more from the defense though, Ryan. Uh, so I don't even know if you had Von Miller. I mean, it is pretty incredible what the defense did when you see number 91, uh, Anthony Chicolo, you know, coming off the edge time and time again. And there's probably so many people at home saying, a who? A Chico what is out there rushing the pass? And you hold him to 22 points. And, um, and you know, I, I could just, I thought about this a couple of times. Vic Fangio on the flight back, being afraid of a false positive. Uh, and, and coming away from this game saying, Drew Locke kept you within six points, Ryan. I think all of us would have taken that before the game, saying the Broncos are within six points of the Chiefs. Absolutely. Sign everyone up for the next week after this performance. And I could just see Vic saying, but it was only 16 points. It was 53% completion. And, oh, by the way, you know, two Tyreek Hill touchdowns away from, you know, called back touchdowns away from it being a blowout. Um, I'm just a tiny bit more skeptical. I, You know, Ryan, they were so close to having the formula for what I thought would be a successful game. And that was holding the Chiefs in the 20s and the Broncos also scoring in the 20s. They were so close to that. 
but 16 points just isn't going to get it done. Not enough. Certainly not enough. All right, let's get to our DraftKings king of the game. Um, and there was actually several candidates, I thought, tonight. You could have given yeah. this to Shelby Harris. Yep. Um, you know, there, there were a few more out there. Um, but best game as a Bronco for this guy and really a big part of why the offense wasn't in, in good positions in a lot of the games. Melvin Gordon, 15 carries, 131 yards, a 65-yard run in there. Hats off to Melvin. You know, we've been hard on him at times, especially me. Uh, and he played like the guy that he got paid to be tonight. And to be honest, if he has the right cleats on and uh, the Kansas City field isn't some trash, uh, he might have had a 200-yard game. That might be a bit much, but probably over 150. Yeah, Ryan, he was an $8 million running back plus tonight. This is exactly what you brought him in for, was to average nine yards per carry. And it, it just seemed like he was reading the field excellent as well. Of course, the huge 65-yard run, which is the biggest run for the Broncos this season, uh, his longest run of the season, his longest run being a Bronco, really opened the game up for the Broncos early when he had that. And then it just seemed like every single play, he was you know falling forward for four yards when he was hit behind the line of scrimmage he was literally slipping and then getting back up and running for nine yards he was getting the first downs when the broncos needed him this uh is exactly why you brought him in because uh, the front office doesn't believe that philip Lindsay is a 16 game every single snap type of player so you brought him in so that when that one when one of these guys is hot you ride him. And that is my problem with Pat Shermer. That's my biggest problem with Pat Shermer in this game is because he didn't do what I just said. At the in, in the third and fourth quarter, you've got to ride the hot hand. Ryan, when it's Philip Lindsay, you ride Philip Lindsay. When it's Melvin Gordon, you ride Melvin Gordon. And Phil just, it, this was like w- one of his worst games. He just wasn't seeing the field well enough. The Chiefs were just smacking him in the, in the mouth. Uh, and he just didn't look good. And how often do we say that about him? We don't. But when we do say that about him, and you have a guy that's running for 8.7 yards per carry compared to Phil's 1.9, you run with Melvin. So Melvin had 15 touches, 131 yards. It should have been 20 touches for me. And I would say the exact same thing if it was the, the flip and it was Philip Lindsay that was doing this. I'm saying you have to pound the ball with Philip Lindsay. So, uh, you know, the fact that Melvin gets 15 touches for 8.7 yards per carry and Phil gets 14 touches for 1.9 yards per carry. That's my biggest gripe with Pat Shermer. Yeah. Um, and it's not all Pat Shermer, in my opinion. Uh, Curtis Monkins has a hand in the running back rotation. You're right. Uh, and, and I think Patrick, uh, Pat Shermer can overrule him. I would assume he has that power. Um, but a lot of times coaches don't do that unless it's really egregious. And you could make the case that it was egregious tonight. Um, but it feels like they're always pressing the wrong buttons uh, this season. When Melvin's going, it's Phil. You know, it's Phil's getting the ball too much. When Phil's going, it's Melvin getting the ball too much. If you're going to do the hot hand thing, and maybe that's not what they want to do, but you should be doing that uh, because running backs are the biggest rhythm position other than quarterback uh, in the NFL. So just feels like they're pressing a lot of the wrong buttons there. Just another uh, criticism um, for this coaching staff who, again, did a great job tonight in a lot of areas, um, but we're also part of the reason why the Broncos just couldn't get over it. And I also think it's only fair to acknowledge that you got Mahomes a little bit, you know, like you uh, were able to avoid a lot of the, you know, of the Mahomes stuff. No, uh, you know, no, none of the big long touchdowns, um, honestly, based on the scale that he usually operates on. And you were able to avoid a lot, but like the sidearm throw with a player in his face to Kelsey on third and eight, like that's just, what happens when you play the chiefs and you're going to be so frustrated by it because you call the right defense, you get in his face, you do everything right. And he gets you. And, and like, that's just, that's just life uh, in the AFC West. Now you're going to have to be able to overcome those things. The Broncos just aren't quite in a position to be able to overcome that right now. Ryan, we had a roundtable that dropped earlier today saying, how in the world do the Broncos beat the Chiefs? I mean, as a 13 and a half, 14 point underdog, we knew it was going to be so difficult. We all pretty much had the same answer is, you know, uh, you know, control the clock. 
Uh, mine was you have to double the Chiefs up on the ground because in eight of nine games that that, that Patrick Mahomes has lost, the uh, the opposing team had double the rushing yards than the Chiefs. And you had that formula. You nearly had that formula in the first half. You had 134 rushing yards in the first half. 134 in the first half. Well, the Chiefs had 71. I mean, they weren't chumps on the ground either, running for 71 yards in the first half. But still, you were you had the formula. And you know what? You were up by one point at halftime. And then in the second half, you just get a little bit away from it. Uh, and now you didn't have the ball as much in the second half, to, to be fair. But you only run the ball with Melvin six times. You only run the ball with Phil five times. Just got a tiny bit away from that. And that's one thing that we talked about uh, last week on this pod was, at what point do you abandon the game plan of running the ball? And we said, you know, pretty much with one minute left is when they should have abandoned that. And I just feel like they got away from that just a little bit too early in this game. Yeah, uh, you know, that's like that's like the whole takeaway from the game. It's just a little bit too much here, just a little bit too much there. Not enough yeah. here, not enough there. Wrong decision here, wrong decision there. And uh, that's how slim the margin is against a 10-1 and football team, you know. It's not like this that we came into this game saying like the Broncos are taking on an extremely beatable Chiefs team uh, and Drew Locke should honestly have a great performance and we should come out of this thing, you know, uh, talking about how easy it was. It was the opposite. We were talking about how hard it's going to be no matter what. I said you're going to have to get massive bounces. Well, the Broncos got almost the biggest bounce you could possibly get a touch, a clear touchdown in 2020 wasn't a touchdown and the Chiefs. Didn't even challenge it. I mean, it, it's I, I don't remember the last time I've seen this. And the worst thing about that, Ryan, I mean, people, if if they lost in Kansas City, people would be killing Andy Reid for this. They punted the ball with 23 seconds left on the play clock. It's not like they even took their time and had some more review. That is, that's terrible. And it, it's crazy because Tyree Kill didn't even know that he caught it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's, well, that's the thing is Tyree Kill didn't know he caught it. Because if Tyreek Hill makes any sort of fuss at all, if he even tells Andy Reid, I think I might have caught that. Yep. Then Andy Reid's saying, okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me hear from upstairs. Because it was almost simultaneous. Yeah, The ball gets punted, and Andy Reid looks at Tyreek Hill. He's like, you caught it? <laughs> because obviously someone came in his headphones and said, dude, that was a catch. And it was just too late. Broncos got unbelievably lucky in that scenario. And in fact... If everything stays the same and that's a catch, the Broncos don't even cover the spread. Um, right. So, you know, that's like those are the type of bounces you have to get against this team. Broncos got one, still weren't able to pull it up. All right, we got our guy Mace here in the queue coming to you from Arrowhead. What's up, Mace? Oh, guys, how are you doing? Do you guys believe in moral victories? <laughs> kind of. Tonight's a moral victory. Tonight, tonight, tonight's a moral victory. Macy, you have enough oxygen up there? I know, I know you got the mask, but still being in space, it can be a little, uh, not, not much oxygen. Oh, I'm a little bit lightheaded, but otherwise <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm, I'm hanging in there. Not, not, not too woozy, a little bit, uh, buoyed by the fact that the Broncos actually stuck to the script for the most part, the script that should work, but you know, they're understandably bummed by the fact that it didn't work out. And unfortunately for them, I mean, this was the game where frankly, guys, the chiefs were there for the taking. I mean, this was not Kansas city playing at an optimal level. It looked, it looked like the, the chiefs, the chiefs looked like a team that had just gotten up for playing and beating a Tom Brady led team and were a little bit off and the Broncos, you were hoping they'd be good enough to capitalize. They almost were, but not enough. Yeah, Mace, I said early in the show, like, I do think this is a moral victory, but I'm not going to pound that uh, that table tonight because no one wants to hear it, and I understand why they don't. Um, mm -hmm. But I think as we move forward, and, you know, I always talk about how the further you get away from things, the less the emotions are. I think the further we get away from this game, we'll look back and say, hey, that was a yeoman's effort against, uh, a, a, I mean, a really great team, probably the best team in the NFL this season. Uh, and you took them down to the wire. You made them sweat it. Uh, it wasn't enough, um, but Mace, the, the conversation that Zach and I had for a long part of this is just who is most at fault? Who do you blame the most for the Broncos just not being able to get over the hump tonight? Wow. I mean, uh, th that's tough. And um, I mean, I don't I don't want to put this all on Drew Locke, but we've seen in his last two starts, they're scheming around his shortcomings right now. Yeah, there, there are things that they don't trust him to do. And they're trying to get his confidence back. And uh, 
what it what it's showing here is if if the next four games go like this one in terms of the game plan and what they ask him to do, uh, what that's telling me, guys, is at minimum there's a hedge and there's a potential competition next summer. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> like I said, I'd rather pull my eye- eyeballs out than have that. <laughs> so, yeah. Mace, I mean, I know you don't want to fully say it, but do you, I, Zach and I, I think we're in close agreement that at the very least, this was a 50 50 Drew Locke uh, and Vic Fangio L. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, I'm probably 55 on Vic. Uh, because I just don't think he had the right mentality going into a game against the Chiefs. So would you? Where would you put those percentages? I think you're about. I think 50-50 is about right. And I think, uh, in particular, it's fascinating to to hear Vic Fangio because I asked him specifically about the two point conversion and going for it there. And then he he talked about the situation going by the chart. But then that's when he got into the whole thing of saying that uh, he wanted to be aggressive. And of course the moment where I think aggression would have been the wisest course of action is fourth and three at midfield with about six minutes to go. You got to go for it there. You've, and that's a situation where you know, we talk about, okay, what's your bread and butter? What is your best play to get four yards? What is your core identity? And one of the positives of the last couple of games with Drew Locke is we've seen some things that are apparently – becoming bread and butter type stuff in terms of uh, a play to get you four yards quickly. I mean, you can look at, uh, you know, Melvin Gordon getting outside the tackles, or you can look at the little pass in the flat to, to Noah Fant. These are things that you could rely on. I think in that situation, guys, I would have loved to have seen them gone for it. And frankly, my call would have been just Drew Locke roll, just rolling out quick little, quick little dump to Noah Fant get five yards, get past the six, and if he breaks a tackle, you've got an explosive play. And that's your best chance, I think, to keep a possession alive when you have fourth and three. Yeah. uh, You know, Surrender Index ranks all of these things on Twitter. Mm -hmm. Uh, And this this is what really, like, sent me over the edge. Mm -hmm. Uh, Denver decided to punt to KC from the Denver 49 on fourth and three with six minutes and 13 uh, seconds remaining in the fourth quarter while losing 16 to 19. With a surrender index of 29.47, this punt ranks in the 99.6th percentile of cowardly punts this season and the 98th percentile of all punts since 2009. Mm. They're basically saying decisions from a head coach don't get worse than this. Uh, And, you know, this is the second game this year where I really felt like uh, uh, the, the lion's share of the blame for the loss should go on the head coach. And that's not normal. That's not okay. And I'm not uh, advocating for firing Vic Fangio because I don't think it's going to happen. But Vic has to change the way that he sees things, especially when you're four and seven going up against the Chiefs. You you cannot walk away from that game saying, well, I should have done this or that. I should have been more aggressive. You should never leave a game in the Chiefs saying I should have been more aggressive. The aggressive pedal should be to the metal from the second you stand on the field. I don't care if you're seven and four rather than four and seven. I think you go for it. And the other thing you have to consider is what's going on in that game. I mean, you know, there's the notion of, okay, your defense, they've got to make a stop sometime, right? The problem is guys, they had no three and outs to that point. Only one drive the Chiefs had had to that point had not resulted in multiple first downs. And you know that in that scenario, multiple first downs means that your odds of coming back on a last drive are pretty long, as we saw it bear itself out in the last minute and a half of the game. So you've got to look at how your defense is doing. If your defense is stacking up three and outs, sure, yeah, you can rationalize that. But if your defense isn't doing that, You've got to go for it. I mean, you've got to look at the situation you're facing in that game, look at the form of your units, and then and then act accordingly. I think this was a missed call by Vic. And, and well, Patrick and, Mahomes only gets better at the end of games, you know? Like, I don't even care if you've been stopping him all night. I'm still saying go for it because you know that this guy just makes those big plays in those big moments. The one thing that I will say is I wish Drew Locke would have looked to the sideline and been demonstrative about wanting to go for it. Because I think if you're a coach and you see that, that instills a little bit of confidence in you 
Uh, and you know, it's, it's, it's a minor criticism of Drew Locke because, you know, he's a young player and it's not, it's not always your place to be telling the head coach what to do. But if he looked over there and said, come on, let's go for it. I think Vic might've thought twice and said, you know what, if he's that confident, I'm going to put it in his hand, in his hands, the same way that he felt about Brandon McManus. I think when he put him out there to kick that 57 yard field goal, he said, all right, this guy's always really confident. He's going to make these things. I'm going to throw him out there and let him do it. Well, he's really, and, really and really the, good points. The, the thing as well, guys, is the Chiefs get the ball back after the punt. It takes them four plays to move from uh, where you drilled them after the punt uh, to where you would have gone for it. So, and, and But the thing is, it's not like this was uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars where you're surprised by that. Like you guys have said, this is the Kansas City Chiefs. You knew that they could have done it in one play uh, or four plays, but it didn't take them long at all to get there. And when that happens, that is, I mean, that just rips your heart out. If you're the team saying, well, okay, there was our biggest chance uh, to, to upset these guys. And it did not, it, four plays later, they've already ruined it. Yeah. yeah. It's a it's a tough situation to be in. So we have this conversation just about every week. And unfortunately for Drew Locke, the amount of games we're talking about keeps getting smaller. Uh, four games left in the season. Panthers, Bills, Chargers, Raiders. Something's got to change. It's going to have to click on for Drew Locke if he wants to be even remotely safe going into next season. And, and you know, uh, sitting on his couch during the draft, looking forward to who they're going to draft to help him out rather than, uh, you know, being super nervous that they're going to draft his replacement. Um, so, let you know, we'll talk on the big picture, but one game at a time, you get the Panthers, you're on the road next week. It's an 11 a.m. start on the East Coast. Everyone hates those. But an opportunity for Drew Locke to help us because, Mace, we said we thought he took a step forward against the Dolphins and probably just stayed in the same position tonight. Um, he's got to take a step forward against the Panthers. There's just not enough games left for him to not take a step forward here. So uh, is, do you have confidence that he can? And, and what does that look like to you? Well, he ought to take some steps forward because this is a shaky defense, even though they're obviously getting good play from, from Steve Atwater's nephew, Jeremy Chin back there in the second, in the secondary, it's still a defense that you should be able to accumulate some yards and points on. But I'm fascinated to see what the game plans end up being, because, you know, if, if you continue to have game plans like you had against the Dolphins and the Chiefs that are kind of designed to uh, minimize the risk, minimize the exposure for Drew Locke, then what are you learning about him? I mean, you're still trying to kind of get him back on his feet and build some confidence. But you, again, you are you're running out you're running out of time here. You're running out of games, and unfortunately, uh, you start looking at some of the uh, the season long trends. And if he can't reverse them, if he can't display significant improvement you're looking at him keeping uh the company of, of guys who largely did not work out so i think you i think you'll see the broncos probably try to keep uh, to, to have a similar game plan because they've they've stabilized things a little bit but does that really teach us more about drew lock and where he might go that's the big question well and so that's that's kind of the big question for this organization right now do they do the best thing that sets this team up to win these next four games? Or do they do the best thing to find out who Drew Locke is? And which path do they want to go down? We know John Elway wants to win. But guys, haven't we said, and as, as far as the Broncos continue to get out of the playoff picture, this just comes more uh, apparent is it's all about finding out what Drew Locke is. So to me, I'm now okay kind of going away from the winning game plan in order to see, okay, I don't want a false positive here. I don't want to be playing and uh, just protecting all of Drew Locke's weaknesses these final four games. It's time to let him out, see if he – now, of course, don't just abandon him. Give him nothing uh, that protects him. But you, you got to start seeing if he, if he is the guy uh, and let him go out and throw three touchdowns or let him go out and throw three interceptions in, in these final four games. So we've talked a lot about this stat, and I actually think this stat has done a pretty good job of encapsulating when Drew Locke had a bad game and when Drew Locke had a good game. Uh, and so all the people in the comments saying, Drew Locke was terrible, he can't cut it, he, this was garbage, I can't believe you guys are saying it was okay. Well, Drew Locke, QBR this week, eighth in the NFL. He posted a 67.2, just behind Aaron Rodgers, just in front of Cam Newton, who led a 45-0 win uh, over the Chargers, which that's a, a something we're going to have to talk about 
uh, here. And, and we're going to have to let Mace go because he's being booted from the Kansas City uh, <laughs> uh, press box. So, Mace, thank you for your contributions. We'll talk. All right. See you guys later. Um, but, Zach, they're saying that Drew Locke was a top 10 quarterback in the NFL this week. I didn't watch every game, so I don't know. I can't make too much of a statement on that. But I do think QBR has done a good job, like I said, of saying when Drew Locke was terrible, when Drew Locke was decent. Then who is this on? How do you put up 16 points, Ryan? Because we went through it. Uh, receivers, you, you didn't have really any big drops. I know that one to KJ Hamler definitely hit both of his hands. Wasn't the best throw, but still, you have to catch it when it hits both of your hands. It's not like there were multiple touchdowns dropped like we saw against New England. Uh, and, of course, like we've said, the running game did a fantastic job. Pat Shermer had one of his best games. So how do you have a top 10 quarterback performance along with 170 rushing yards, good receiving performance, and put up 16 points. I don't know. There, there's certainly a break in there, and maybe it's play calling, maybe it's aggressiveness, maybe it's just the stat was wrong, and, and that happens. It's, you know, the stat doesn't allow for much nuance. It just it processes, you know, a formula. Uh, so maybe the stat was a bit off this week. But I, like I said, I've, I've kind of trusted it. Uh, you know, he's been as low as you can be at the bottom of the league. They've got him up there this week. Uh, yeah, and so I, I think it's probably somewhere in between that. He wasn't great. Uh, he probably wasn't a top 10 quarterback in the NFL this week. But again, I didn't watch all the games, so I don't know for that, know that for a fact. Um, but I do think he was an average NFL quarterback this week. And, and that's why I think both of us are kind of coming out of here. You're just a little bit higher on Drew, and I'm kind of just where I was because everything kind of balances out that way in this game. Exactly. Well, we've got a lot of room for conversation for the rest of the week, um, but that's what you're going to have to tune in to get in uh, on all these takes. Hey, if you liked our show, hit us with a thumbs up on YouTube. If you hated our show, but you watched it all the way through, maybe just throw <laughs> us the thumbs up anyway, because you stuck with us. Uh, but to everyone who tuned in, we appreciate you, whether you agree with us or disagree with us all the way through. Uh, we will be talking about all of this throughout the week on the DNVR Broncos podcast. Hang with us uh, and have a great rest of your Sunday.